T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is WEEI Late Night with KJ Carson on WEEI. Late night, W-E-E-I, the second hour. K.J. Carson here, 617-779, text line 37937. Thanks so much for being here. And look, I guess this is like the good news point. That's kind of some good news. Bill O'Brien's here. The Bruins are on a roll. And and, and I you hear me say this sometimes. The Bruins won 4-2 tonight against the Canadians, but guess what? If you ever want to guess how many goals the Canadians will ever give you, look at the little have in the middle. <laughs> have of what you've got. You like that, Joe, didn't you? I mean, uh, Andrew, you like that. <laughs> you get four, they they'll only get two. You get two, they only get one. That's how bad they are. <laughs> it's <laughs> you, you, that's, that's clever. That damn boy is clever up there. That KJ, I tell you. But look, the Bruins Slapping win tonight. My knee over here. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> don't slap it too hard, son. It's late. Look, 38 wins through 47 games. They're on pace to win 66. I don't know if you've ever been addicted to playing NHL 97, but everybody knows that on NHL 97, the Detroit Red Wings are everything on that game. That's because of the 95-96 Red Wings. They are the ones that have the most wins in the season at 62, and the Bruins are on pace to win 66. Points? They're already at 80. 80 at... This is about the amount of points they had at the end of last year. They're on pace for, watch this, 140 points. <laughs> That's absolutely crazy. And the good news is it would break the record of the Canadiens, ironically, back in the day of Guy Lefleur. Those, t- those Montreal teams that the, the, the Bruins couldn't get over. The last years of Esposito before he went to the Rangers. Bobby Orr's last years. Yeah, that year they beat the Bruins for the Stanley Cup. Save percentage, oh my gosh! When do you sign up? When do you sign up, Linus and Jeremy for for their own like like martial arts movie? Just just kick save like maybe that's well they can make Sharknado. I couldn't see why they couldn't take two hot goalies with a combined save percentage of ninety three point ninety three point two percent, and say hey. We could make a movie out of these guys. They'd be in pads. They could block pucks. They could defend against bad guys. Nothing gets past them. I don't know what old Mark Swayman. Yeah. That would be that would be a kind of a dope movie. Old Mark Swayman. 
No sirens here. What are we thinking? Like a lethal weapon or like a rush hour yeah, type thing? Yeah, yeah, kind of. You know, you kind of got a buddy thing going on. You've got one European guy. You got an American guy. You know, they kind of bounce off of each other. Kind of a, a mix of lethal weapon. Maybe a little bit of, uh, uh, what's that movie with uh, Chris Tucker and... Yeah, Rush Hour. Rush Hour. Did you say Rush Hour? Yeah. yeah. Like, Rush Hour meets Lethal Weapon, yeah. But they're in pads. And then when they want to, you know, kind of infiltrate bad guys, they put on crazy-looking masks to disguise themselves. I have too much time during the day. But the story is pasta. And maybe two weeks ago, I said, look, okay, I get the love affair and the hump on the leg over Connor McDavid. He's good. He's really good. But it's also a forced narrative. It's a forced narrative. Like you can, like you can sniff out. You know, like, hey Wayne, can you make sure that they still talk about Edmonton? Because if you know, they don't talk about Edmonton, we don't have a team. And then what do we do? <laughs> it's been the same problem ever since they sold him. Like Wayne, you can step away. You can let it go. But Pasta, even though he's not going to shatter a bunch of things, he's just at the top of nearly everything. It probably should be the Hart Trophy winner, but he won't. It'll be McDavid again. That's what BetMGM says. And they'll probably take the votes between Linus and Pasta and split them, and therefore they'll be like, well, they both got votes, but you know, with them being on the same team, why do I sound like Hockey Night, Hockey Night, the guys in, you ever watch Hockey Night, you ever watch uh, some of the games with the with the Canadian coverage? I from time not not a lot, but from time to time, <laughs> it's almost like watching that old show, um, uh, Second City. They used to uh, I forgot what it's called, but um, they used that John Candy used to be on it years ago. That it, you just feel like it's like hockey night, hockey night, you know. Yeah, the Connor McDavid thing is, it's just it's just good. it's going to be what it's going to be because. And the Bruins are carrying the league. It's the biggest story in the league. For more people who would probably be in tune to the league, it's even, this is very 98-99 Bulls. <laughs> I like what's going on with the Bruins right now. The dominance is just unheard of, considering it's not a lot of young hot shots. It's some guys who are on their, you know, on their last ride, some, some guys who've been in the league a little bit. I mean, my goodness, the team is 9-1 since Jake DeBrusque has gone down? And think of where Jake DeBrus' head was last year at this time. Like, I'm not playing. I'm not staying. I want to go. <laughs> it's impressive. And now for the not-so-great news. Can you play the... Do you have the Jason Tatum cut from last night after the Orlando game? I do. All right. Play, play. Here's Jason Tatum after a loss to Orlando again of what they had to do going into tonight's game with Miami. Uh, you know, that is a team that we're very familiar with. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be a tough game. We Every time we play them, it's tough. Um, you know, it's just going to be a tough game. We know that's going to be fun. Uh, they play extremely hard. They're very talented, well-coached. Uh, so... You know, just look forward to getting some rest and watching some film and, uh, you know, getting ready for, for a good one tomorrow. It wasn't good tonight. 98-95. And this is what I said about this team when they're, so, when they're high scores, everybody's loving them. But can you win dogfight games? They did not have Jimmy Butler tonight. 
Now, if you want to say in fairness, there was no Jalen Brown to go along with Jason Tatum. But my goodness, as the Celtics are making a run towards the end of the game, and some could, and there's going to be some questions about Joe Missoula not calling that timeout, where Tatum goes to his happy place, top of the three point, the uh, three point line, uh, free throw line extended, elbow extended. I mean, and what do they do? They go right and double team him. And what does what does Tatum do? He throws a diagonal pass across the key, heading for Prayton Pritchard. So now the Celtics have lost two in a row, and I'm going to be a little bit of a fatalist here. Why not? At what point does the team want it? See, last night the idea was when you had everybody, run Orlando off the court early, get guys rested for tonight who's going to play. You know you're going to have Robert Williams back, but you can't, like Robert Williams, you're looking at as being your second scorer. Derek White had 23 points on 7 for 17 shooting. The Tatum and White show. And then you had no bench. Blake Griffin, Jackson, Sam Hauser, Cornette. That was your bench tonight. So that's why last night's game was so important because if you knew Horford was going to be rested, if you knew that Jalen Brown was going to be rested, if you knew that Brogdon was still going to be out, what are you doing? And yeah, I know team that they're going to hone in on Tatum. But my goodness, you had a chance to win the game. But scoring 13 points in the fourth quarter never gets it done. Never. Never. And so now you got two games you've lost in a row. People are going to be a bit on angst because the Celtics game with the Lakers is Saturday prime time. So you got to get something together. Quick. And bam, out of bio. Like, Here's this was the play that said, man, maybe the Celtics aren't fooling people as much as they believe they are. Like, I think teams are starting to believe that the Celtics really don't make adjustments on what they want to go to as bread and butter, and it's like they're literally waiting for it. So, with about two minutes left to go, Tatum is driving to the paint, and it's clear to everybody, including myself, Tatum was trying to go to the lob to Robert Williams. Bam Adebayo just catches it out of out, catches it out like it's like it's a fly ball to center field. Then proceeds to go down and and, and hit a two pointer. Either on that possession or the next one, I can't remember. They all run together. But Bam Adebayo dominated. Thirty points, twelve for twenty two from the field. Fifteen rebounds. I mean, you had you had no you had no Jimmy Butler. I mean, Victor Oladipo only had 12 points. Tyler Hero, nine. And you lost this game. You know why? 17 turnovers. The Heat had seven. 17 turnovers. This is what I've been saying night after night. Like, seven turnovers in a game? I mean, you shouldn't have seven turnovers over the course of three games. That's like two. That's like two or three. That's two a game. Seven turnovers is like. I think Jalen Brown had seven turnovers last night against Orlando. Grant Williams four turnovers. 
I, I mean, it's just, do we, do we go back? And, okay, I'm being a little bit kind of petty here. But for those who, you know, played basketball to some extent, and look, I'm not one of those guys. Anytime someone says, well, here's somebody who's never played the game. It's like, well, go send it to your owner's face. I bet you don't. Is they used to have these little glasses that you put on, and there would be this white thing underneath them, so it pre- it'll prevent you from looking down from dribbling. You know, to trust your handles. So I don't know what the exercise is, but out turnovering a non-Jimmy Butler team and Bam Adebayo is your primary score by ten. Look. I this is one of those times where I think that hey this might be one of those games it'll be a few of them that show up during the season and this is one of them where it feels like you miss the the defensive emphasis and ball control emphasis that Emi Adoka provided that he was able to get across to them because last year while this still would have still been a tough fought game I don't think you would see the turnovers like you did tonight not 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 that big of a disparity not that not, not that big of a chasm. That's just that's ridiculous. I expected Miami to out rebound them tonight. I mean, they just got more size. But free throws, same. Three point line length, three point same. Shot better from two. Still lost the game. Turnovers. 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. KJ late night WEEI. Let's trend with Matthew. Uh, not Matt. It's my friend's name. Joe Matthew, what are you doing to me, KJ? See, my best friend's name is Matthew Meehan, and you are Andrew Meehan, and I worked with Joe last night. I should, probably, I, should, I should probably get it right for our last night together. I, I, I should at least, like, I don't want to make it seem like it's money on the dresser, okay? So I'm going to do this one. Okay, I'm going to do this again. Okay, here we go. All right. It's now time to trend with my man, Andrew Meehan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WEEI Late Night. On Boston Sports Original. WEEI. Bill O'Brien is going to be here. If we're giddy, I can only imagine the kind of blood flow Mac Jones has at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's a ladder out of the hole that they dug in 2022. That's what he represents. There's an immense amount of work to be done, but at least you have the right architect. That, to me, is is the biggest part of it. You could have hired any of the other people that you had in. 
none of whom had offensive coordinator experience, nor at the NFL um, did Adrian Clem, for instance, have experience. So you've got what amounts to the best man for the job. Now the job is complicated. Late night, W-E-E-I. I hope Bill O'Brien asked for everything in the budget to come back. And that's Tom E. Curran early on Gresham Fourier saying, look, this could be a good thing for Mac Jones because last year was a bad thing for Mac Jones. And I was one that believed that it was kind of a test to see if Mac Jones was going to be able to work to work through the toughness of things. Now, granted, injury is always a tough thing to come back for. So if there's something I give Mac Jones a lot of credit for is uh, coming back from that injury on, on a pretty short, pretty relatively short amount of time, considering the way it looked when he went out, like almost it looked like, oh, is this due to casualty or war? Does this guy like have something going on? What is going on? This, this picture looks horrible. And came back and got better as the season went on. But there was a regression that was showing up early on. I don't think it got worse than the Baltimore game, nor was it uglier than the second Jets game where just no offense was going. And so bringing in Bill O'Brien, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how you get get more than, let's just say you get 35% more out of Mac Jones. That would just be absolutely phenomenal. You're talking comeback player of the year. You're talking about a team that probably wins 11 games. I think that's just a high mark. And the other part of that is, is Bill O'Brien really going to put an offense in motion that's going to feature Mac Jones throwing the ball more, knowing that Ramondre Stevenson gave you 1,000 yards last year? Now, the other side of that is, is while you will lean on Ramondre Stevenson again and catching out of the backfield has become... That's just amazing, like, the work he's put in to go from, like, yeah, but he can't catch the ball yet, and that's why he wasn't getting in the game in 2001, to now he led the team in receptions last year. Is who do you pair up Ramondre Stevenson with Damian Harris again, or is there another back that you think that's that's in the rotation that can get you 500, 600 yards, right? Because Damian Harris, despite the injuries and getting knocked out, knocked up and being pulled out of games, Still gave you almost over 450 yards rushing last year. But the duo, and kind of in reverse, right, like in, in Stevenson's first year, gave you maybe about 600 yards, and Damian Harris was your 1,000-yard rusher. So that magic number, once you start getting to, is about 16, anywhere from 16 to 1,900 between the two backs. Now you have something that really would benefit Mac Jones because the teams have to prepare for the run. And they 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 just honed in on the run last year, not thinking that anything from the passing game was going to be anything dangerous. And let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine different receivers this past season, but nobody stood out. Right, Kendrick Bourne, despite all the doghouse stuff going on, was fourth in receptions. <laughs> Yeah, Stevenson, then Hunter Henry, which is a shock because you're like, where did a guy go? Then Kendrick Bourne. You had him lining up in the background as a or in the backfield yeah. rather as a freaking fullback. Right. I'm sorry, Stevenson, Jacoby Myers, then Hunter Henry, then Kendrick Bourne, and then you get into the Algalore Devontae Parker. I mean, they'll they'll do a special 
here on England, either on Nesson or NBC Sports Boston of the Aguilar years. <laughs> Just the cost is. You ever see where they show the world the world money clock? How the debt is just continually moving and just going and everything. They should probably do that showing Nelson Aguilar highlights matching what he was paid and the production. Just see how that money clock is just spinning. I mean, you're talking about a guy who started seven games and took a big chunk of the pie. I think Aguilar, in terms of percentage of what teams were paying out to a receiver, was just behind Cooper Cup last year in terms of percentage of money that the team was paying out to a receiver. He's like top five. Like Now, Kenny Galladay, that's that's a whole other fleecing right there that happened with the Giants. He was, I think, towards the top. But Aguilar was actually a person who was in the lineup. But you weren't, I mean, I mean, think about it. 31 catches on 51 targets. You're talking about a target percentage catch rate of just over 57%. Tyquan Thornton, 48%. Now, I think some of those are balls that, you know, Mac floated out of bounds over the head. So we'll see. I, I just don't see what Bill O'Brien is going to pull out of Mac Jones as much as he's going to find that running game again that worked in 2021. Think of that first Buffalo game. I think it was like the 7th of December. Mac Jones threw three times, and at one point, the Patriots ran 30 times straight. That's that's more of a realistic, not saying 30 times straight, but that's more of a realistic dependency of where the offense has got to lean on is the running game. I think an analysis I used was I can see Mac Jones measuring out to, say, a Trent Green, where you give him a dominant running game like Trent Green had in Kansas City. You don't need high-name wide receivers, but you do need a very good offensive line, and it will buy you time on the play action. Mac does look good on the play action when he has time. It gives him an extra half second to process what he's seeing. Now it's just a matter of getting that improved line there where he can step up in the pocket versus trying to escape out of the back of it and the horseshoe collapsing on him. If I hope I painted that picture for you correctly of him stepping towards the back of the pocket, and as it's bending, he walks right into the bend. Here's more of Tommy Curran here on the station talking about, look, what Bill O'Brien represents is kind of like a reclamation project for the offense from last year. Yeah, it really got, and I wrote about this over the weekend when you look at the the, the net that, that Bill cast in trying to get people in here. It's obvious they put all their eggs in the Bill O'Brien basket, and it's excellent that that basket came in intact for them. But when you look at McDaniels leaving and taking with him Lombardi and um, Cole Popovich and Bo Hardigree and Jed Fish, and I could just keep rattling off name after name, and whether or not they're the next coming of you know, Vince Lombardi or not, certainly I don't think so, but you just keep having to retrain people. So – they do have to reinvigorate that whole staff, just repopulate it. And this gives them the opportunity to do it. Maybe it's with Sean Jefferson. Maybe it's with Keenan uh, McCardell. Maybe it's with Adrian Clem, but you need more people on that side of the ball because the entire coaching staff has been rated and re-rated over the course of time. And guys, it's a hard place to work. As you know, mm-hmm. um, Rush from Washington, Christian from being a part of it. 
long hours, crap pay, no titles, extreme expectations. Um, it's a hard place. So I think it's gotten harder and harder to find guys who are like, why don't I just go work for McVeigh? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a project for sure. And, and, and you just think about how blessed Belichick has been over the years when you just see where his offense is ranked. Even going back to 2 they're fourth in, in yards, sixth in yards, and then they have the off year in 22, in 04, where they're 22nd in yards and 11, uh, 22nd in attempts and passing, but like 11 at 12, 9, 11, 2, 12, 1, 12, 3. And this is in terms of passing yards 11, 2nd, 4th, 10th, 9, 5, 4, 2, 8, 8. And then 30, 14, and 20. <laughs> this is a passing league. Look what happened to Buffalo. Buffalo lost that game because they didn't do what they do best, which is throw the ball. Stefan Diggs was absolutely right. How are we here at this point, and you're not going to throw me the ball? It's why you lose. Look at the Cowboys. They couldn't get their throwing. They couldn't get one. They really don't have a running game. They couldn't get the ball going in the air. Dak Prescott, a couple of interceptions. I I really think Kellen Moore is the problem there. And Dak just helps it. You can't get the air thing going. You got a problem. Brock Purdy. It's not like he's just turning around and just handing off to Christian McCaffrey. Kyle Shanahan's got the ball going. Jalen Hurts, same thing. Patrick Mahomes, same thing. Joe Burrow, same thing. I'm just trying to figure out how a passing offense in the last three years, 30th in yards, 14th in yards, and then 20 in yards. Maybe you look at that 2021 season and say, if you can get it, it, it really has to be better than 14th in yards now at this point. Because if you're 14th in yards in the AFC, it's going to be one of those, it's, it's a division that... You, that's where the passing game really thrives. That's where you have guys who are constantly chucking the ball, moving it downfield, scoring points. Where does that leave the Patriots in the cloud of things? Now, if you ask me, the reason why the team was even 8-9 and nine was because of the defense. The defense was what? Eighth in yards last year? Fourth in 2021? 15th and 2020, which was the bad season. First the year before, and then they had some kind of bendable years. But when you have Brady there, you know, your defense can be kind of high up there in yards because you were outscoring teams. But now you 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 need this defense now to consistently be lights out until this offense figures out how it's going to turn itself around. And I don't know how fast that happens. I mean, if you just even look at what Bill O'Brien had in front of him when he was in Houston, outside of Deshaun Watson, who, you know, obviously is your number one draft. Well, so is Mac Jones, right? But yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Case Keenum, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, and maybe the Hoyer situation can be kind of some connective tissue between a relationship that Bill O'Brien has already had with, and they're both familiar with this system. I think it might even set up Hoyer to start becoming somewhat of an offensive guru, preparing himself to be maybe a QB coach next, and probably a fast track to 
um, to becoming a coordinator, right? Because all those things are in place. So that's very good for the quarterback room is that the OC who's backup quarterback, well, the third string, I don't know. You know <laughs> does Bill keep the real? He probably keeps three quarterbacks after what happened last year. But Brian Hoyer could be that voice of connecting the dots that Mac may not be able to connect because Hoyer's been around Mac for his two years. Ryan Mallett was down there in Houston. Remember, they were forcing, they were trying to force that narrative. He was like Stidham before Stidham. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. And didn't like Mallett fall off the like the face of the like once last time you even heard about Ryan Mallett. Ryan Mallett was supposed to be everything out of in college, big, tall, sturdy, big chin guy. Tough, rugged guy got into the yeah. NFL stiff. Because that was that was that season of hard knocks where it was going back and forth between who's it going to be? Is it going to be Brian Hoyer or is it going to be Ryan Mallett? Yeah, and that's an exciting. I, I, you know, that's a season I would not be excited to go back and watch. So you got Mallett for a few games, TJ Yates, Brandon Whedon, still one of the best names in the NFL. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's he's the orange guy. Go figure. Brock Osweiler gave you a winning record. Tom Savage. And so you're like, okay, this Mac is not as bad as he's not a Case Keenum or a Hoyer or Mallet or Yates or Whedon, Osweiler, a little better. Savage, he's better than that, but Fitzpatrick, I, it's pretty close. So if I said, you know what, Mac is kind of a combination of Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brian Hoyer, but a little bit better. How do you get him to that next level that isn't going to be Brady? It isn't going to be a Deshaun Watson, which he's had before. But how do you get him now back into a conversation of like, hey, if I had to take either Mac Jones or Ryan Tannehill, I can now have a real conversation about getting the job done. Because that's what you have to be realistic with in terms of what is Mac going to provide for you? You know, Belichick gets to keep his crew in place by hiring Bill O'Brien. Kudos to him. This guy, whew, I grew up around some guys, you know, who know some guys who do some things. They would be impressed with Belichick. He keeps the familia together. Right? So you bring in a Keenan McCardell, and these are guys I think ultimately <clears throat> that he gives Gerard Mayo a chance to look at. Because I think Gerard Mayo will be the head coach of the team in three years. He'll be the assistant head coach. Um, I think Steve Belichick will probably end up overseeing the defense while Mayo becomes the head coach. So, you know, I give it to Bill. He's kind of putting a succession plan together with his own guys in there. But Bill O'Brien had to get in there now to, to handle this offense because if he didn't, then suddenly, hey, Mac Jones on now his third coordinator and doesn't like that guy and he's not a guy that's part of the crew, you know, you Mac Jones has to realize now with the hiring of Bill O'Brien that Bill O'Brien will not be let go because Mac Jones thinks that would be best. The clock is now on Mac Jones. Where Patricia goes, it doesn't matter. He did what Bill asked of him to do. And sometimes that's more important than the results that you get. You know, you know Bill wasn't thinking like, okay, Bill's like ultimately I oversee all that stuff. But Patricia asked him to do what he asked him to do. He didn't buck back at, at Belichick about any of the stuff. Handled himself very well as the entire heat was coming for him. Like the sun was only on him the entire season. 
and he handled that well. People recognize those things in management. You handled yourself well in, in the face of adversity. So people are like, I hope he's out of the facilities. Now nah, you're not going to get that wish. He's part of Bill Belichick's crew. It'll be very interesting moving into next season. What does it mean for Bailey Zappi potentially in the quarterback competition? Played his position well, performed well while he was in there. Didn't feed any of the hype that was going on. I'm still impressed at how fast jerseys. Andrew, have you ever seen jerseys made that fast for a backup quarterback ever before? No, not that I can think of. Yeah. Fast. Those are faster than Jimmy G, right? Because Jimmy G's jersey came out like it was like uh, two and a half games in. Like, they're going to make a Jimmy G jersey. I mean, I gotta, I'd like to look at Brock Purdy jerseys. Yeah. Those have got to be selling faster. Well, right. You know, they're, they're probably got to think, like, oh my gosh. Well, you know, it's probably easy because a customizable number like 13, people probably get it anyway. Like, if his number was like six, they're like, oh, we got to make a bunch of six jerseys. Like, well, you got a Jimmy G's jersey. You just throw a three over the uh, zero, and then oh, you don't tell me you don't. Right below you, 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 are you one of those that puts like slaps the new name tag on the back, or kind of superimpose the new number to to create a new no, number? No, 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 no. Oh, but okay. if I were, if I were a Forty ers fan, oh god, I wouldn't be doing that. I would. Yeah. I would absolutely do that for per- Purdy over Garoppolo. Yeah, easy. Yeah. So again, it'd all be very interesting how it plays out. Keep an eye on the Jimmy Garoppolo situation. If the 49ers aren't begging to keep him, which I don't think they will be after this, and Jimmy's price, you know, no one's really throwing a bunch of money at him. Why wouldn't Belichick say, okay, what if we gave him $15 million to come here to compete against Mac? Yeah, but if All- he really wanted Garoppolo, wouldn't he have gone after him instead of drafting in the first place coming out of 2020? No, because Jimmy's price is too high. Was too high, right? Because he restructured that deal, right? You, you, I, Belichick made the right move. You don't try and go get Jimmy G, who's already getting like twenty two a year, and knowing that when you sign him, he's going to want to sign an extension and probably get that number closer to twenty eight to thirty. You don't want to pay that for Jimmy G, considering what's happened since. But after an injury coming off, and you're not sure. You could throw him a ten to fifteen million dollar flyer. You still have a very low cost at your quarterback position, and you might now have who you want. Who knows the system? Uh, who'll have an idea of what Bill O'Brien wants to do? Yeah, but isn't he damaged goods at this point? Like, if we sign him, what week does he get hurt? Four. Yeah, but isn't Mac Jones damaged goods right now? No. And he's and but here's the thing: in improving Mac Jones, just means that. The Patriots are going to have to get ready to pay a guy $40 million a year to be the quarterback. Don't buy the hometown discount. Don't think, don't try and figure out the number in your head. His agent's going to look around the league and see, hey, you know, they gave Derek Carr $40 million a year. Especially after Burrow gets his money and when Justin Herbert gets their money. Ah, oh boy. It's going to, it's going to get real interesting. And Max number at 40 mil. If he's if he's improved, right? If he improves and gets the team to the playoffs two more times in the next two years, even if it's at the his resume say he got the playoffs three out of four years, <laughs> he could cost a pretty penny. So this is around that time where if you're the Patriots, you have to decide: do you want to kill it before it grows, or do you want it to grow and then say, "Oh my gosh, 
He really didn't kill it, and he wants all this money. It'd be interesting. Wait, wait, you're saying if he's even if he's even if he doesn't improve, he's still going to ask for money. Uh, if he doesn't improve, he gets moved. Oh well, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I thought you said if he does if he doesn't do well, then he's still going to ask for money. Which I was like, uh, I, no, no, I don't think he, that's that stupid. No, no, they'll move him if he doesn't improve. Yeah, right. But if he does improve, and that's the whole idea about bringing Bill O'Brien in here and and getting things together for him, is you want him to improve, but you also realize that his improvement is going to cost the team more down the road. So maybe you build value for him to move him. You just don't know. It'd be like a Red Sox move. You know, it'd be interesting. All right, a little bit of mini news next here on Late Night with WEEI. Thanks so much for hanging out. WEEI. This is WEEI Late Night, streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Yeah. Late Night, WEEI, KJ Carson, 617-779-7937. Thank you so much for being here. If you've checked out for the last hour and 50 minutes, or if you've been here for five minutes and missed any of the show, the Odyssey app is free. Just type in W-E-E-I, and it'll bring you right here. You can play shows and rewind them, podcasts, including Six Rings on there. So good stuff, and thank you so much for for being part of Late Night. Uh, Let's go to Mark in New Hampshire before we get out of here. All right, Mark, uh, what do you want on this uh, Mac Jones situation in the future? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I'm glad, glad, I mean, you do a great show. So I enjoyed. For me, I think he can be fixed. I don't think he's doesn't you know he's not elite, but I think he's good enough to win enough. And you know, I think that with him having the proper coaching, and I'm not blaming Matt Patricia. I mean, he took he took billets bullets for you know for for bill the capo I mean, in the street it, like <laughs> he's a capo right. in the street. yeah 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 exactly i mean I, I don't think he ever said i want to go from defense to offense and i can be good at it right. so i don't think he ever said that um you know so you know he he's he's a friend of bill's obviously but yeah. i do think that that i do think that mac can possibly pull it together. I mean, he's not elite, right? I mean, he, he can't run fast. He, he doesn't have a great arm. Um, what, do you, what do you think but, of my comparison to him to Trent Green? Can you see him as a Trent Green type? Uh, I see him more as a version of um, who's the guy on Miami? Tua? No, not Tua. Tua's better. He's yeah, definitely better. You, you're talking about when Ryan Fitzpatrick was there? Yes. That yeah, that's, that's what I was talking about earlier tonight. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he can live alongside Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick, but, I mean, you know, he's limited, but I don't think he's inept. Yeah, Mark, thanks so much for the call, and thanks always for hanging out late night. Yeah, I agree. I think Mac will be better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I I do I am concerned about how Mac's skill set translates to the current game, right? Like if you're not a Joe Burrow um, who can still do things with his legs, or if you're not a uh, Justin Herbert who can still do things with his legs. Uh, even Derek Carr has kind of flamed out, and there was hope there because he had a big arm and could do a couple of things with his legs. 
I just wonder where the very stationary quarterback has room in this league unless you have superstar talent around you and everything that money can buy. And that's not this franchise. All right. Um, Andrew, I have to say thank you. It's been a pleasure working with you. This is our last night together. Um, Now, you'll still be here with the company, so will I. Um, But I will get into what that means tomorrow here on the show. So I don't want to get too deep into it, but you're not scheduled for the rest of the week to work together. So I appreciate everything you've done. You remember the first night? You remember your first night working here? What was that like for you with me? Because that's intense. (laughs) It's it's intense, isn't it? Yeah, it was... uh... You know, that was my, I think that was the first one, uh, like the first show ever yes. that I was going to run here at EEI. And yeah. I, uh, <laughs> work with KJ. He does a lot of stuff at night and keeps you on your toes. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, you know, it's, and, and of course, you know, whatever the hiccups were, that was, uh, you know, those were on me, of course, but it was, it was a learning experience. Oh, brother, but, I have know. hiccups. I have hiccups <laughs> every night, several times a night. Like I have a full on like uh, angina on this show half of the time, so don't feel bad. But you know, I'm like I'm really proud of you and all of the producers that I've worked with here on the show because I've seen all of you grow in your own individual way, and that's all I've ever really wanted for you guys at this time of night. You know, like I know what it's like to be up late at this time. You might have you might have a significant other in your in your life, and you know, like if they don't Except hear this you. Guy. Yeah, like, (laughs) and so sometimes I'll sneak you on guys onto the air so that way they could hear that you're at work and not think that you're actually lying. Like, okay, there's nobody. How's it called late night? It comes on at 10 o'clock at night. So I kind of was doubling as like your alibi. So that way you're, and then like, it's funny, like, I'm like Justin and and others, Dylan, who's I think on the BetQL side, like, they would be like, yeah, my girl's up listening at this time. I'm like, that's the secret of the sauce of late night is like, even. Even the girlfriends will listen to hear if you're really at work. So, Andrew, I wish you the best moving forward, my guy. Thank you for everything that you've done here on the show. And uh, it's been a lot of fun working with you and being able to get you a little bit of airtime during the middle of the show. Because, you know, I mean, I could do like a two-person show. I've done that before. But at the same time, I've also enjoyed getting the producers in here kind of like a not-ready-for-prime-time crew. So, uh, that is a little bit of a tease into what I have to tell you tomorrow leading into the rest of this week. I won't get deep into it right now, but uh, thank God I'm drinking this water because this clay is now stuck in my chest. Detoxing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I might be a flower tomorrow drinking all this clay. You know, So as they would say on the bottle, consult your physician first before you do any of this stuff because trust me, I'm trying to figure out what's giving me heartburn. It can't be the tuna fish that I ate for dinner tonight. All right, remember, at WEEI on Twitter, at KJ Carson on Twitter. Talk to you again tomorrow night, 10 p.m., late night, WEEI. Have a great Tuesday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.